are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So here we are in Bethany, Oklahoma. Sometimes I believe there's great value in remembering who we are, where we came from. So let me just remind you of a couple of things, okay? In 1909, there was a man and his name was C.B. Jernigan, okay? So that's That's 108 years ago. A man named C.B. Jernigan bought a piece of property that was then outside of the city limits of Oklahoma City. And it was this property that we're on right now and a large piece of property that's around us. Now, the reason that the property was so appealing to him was because where 39th Street is, Expressway right now, there was a rail car. And so there was transportation. It was called the El Reno Interurban Rail Car. This is over 100 years ago. And it transported people from El Reno to Oklahoma City. And so he thought, this is a great piece of property because there's transportation along the way. And, and when he bought it, he actually was the founder of the city of Bethany. And he marked off the streets himself. Now, the reason he did that was because he had just been appointed the district superintendent of the Oklahoma, Kansas district of this new group of people who were meeting together, calling themselves Nazarenes, okay? And and so here's what happens. They build some buildings on all of this property. They built the church, which later becomes Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, our church. And then they built a college called Oklahoma Holiness College, which is now Southern Nazarene University. And then they built a orphanage called Oklahoma Orphanage, and it's where the Children's Center now sets across the street. And they built a home for unwed mothers called the Nazarene Rescue Home for Unwed Mothers. And so when he tried to get people to come to, to be here and to help him do ministry here, he would, he would tell them about lots of opportunities, but he also said, I will admit to you that it is a wild and woolly territory. So I think I know what he means by wild, but I don't know what he means by woolly. But it was, in those days, a hundred years ago, kind of the Wild West. And everybody had guns on their hips and all that kind of stuff. And so you're telling me that when this guy comes and he buys all of this property around here, that they said the reason we're showing up and building this community just outside of Oklahoma City city limits is because we want to say to the Wild and Woolies, hey, we want to share Jesus with you. And we want to say to all of these orphans who are living in the city of Oklahoma City, hey, why don't you guys just come? And why don't you stay with us? You don't have a home. You don't have anywhere to stay. So you can just come and you can just stay with us. And we'll feed you and we will educate you and we will love you. You can just come and hang out at our place. And then they said to all of these young girls, teenage girls, who had gotten themselves in a pretty tough situation at a very young age, Hey, girls, you want to just come and hang out with us? You can, you can be with us, and, and we will take care of you, and we'll help you as you bring your little baby into the world, and we'll help you raise them. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? So, so when C.B. Jernigan was saying, you know, we got to name this place something. He named it Bethany. Now, here's where we're at. So I'm sitting down to work on a sermon for this week, and I get to the text, and here's what I read in the text. I read about 
a family, siblings, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and it tells me that they're from a community just east of Jerusalem called Bethany. And so I start studying and I begin consulting a New Testament scholar whose name is N.T. Wright. And N.T. Wright says, you know what the word Bethany basically means, literally means, right? Do you know what it means? Do you know what the word Bethany literally means? Are you ready for this? Here's what it means. It means house of misery. I know. I felt the same way. I'm like, are you serious? I mean, I don't want to be associated with a place whose name means house of misery, or it means house of the poor. But when you keep reading in T. Wright, it becomes more encouraging, I promise you, because here's what he says. There is evidence to substantiate the fact that Bethany became a place where the sick and the needy and the poor were cared for. You feeling better? And it became like this kind of hospice a couple of miles east of Jerusalem that just opened their arms to people. And so when C.B. Jernigan says, what, what should we name this little soon-to-be town? He said, well, if we're going to care for the poor and the needy and the sick and the unwed mothers and, and the orphans... I, I think this place is Bethany. Do you love that? So here's what I think. Here's what I think happens. People like you and me who are part of this community, I think we have to keep asking ourselves a question. Do we need to one day change our name? Or, we, or do we need to over and over and over and over again commit to go back to our roots? Because here's the deal. We're going to talk about Jesus for a minute. And if we are going to live like Jesus with open arms, and we've been talking about open arms for weeks now, but if we're going to live like Jesus with open arms, if we're going to become more like Him, if God is going to keep changing our hearts and make us more like Jesus, then we must open our arms. And when people who are hurting come to us, we don't run from them. We, we run toward them like Jesus did. And so, as we begin to prepare to move through Lent this year, we said, what if? I mean, come on, think about it with me. What if you and me, you and I, what if we began to seek to live more like Jesus? And what if we lived with our arms open, making time and making space for people and making room for people like Jesus did, living sacrificially in relationships with others? What if we did that? And as we move toward Easter Sunday morning, the one day, the one day of the year that people are more likely than any other day of the year to come to church with you at an invitation. Because I realize many of you live like this every day of your lives and you have people in your lives that you've opened your arms to. And what if on that day you say, hey, you know what? At my church, pastor's doing this series and we have these cards for you at every entrance, Okay. And you can take a stack of these when you leave. And maybe just give one to a friend and say, he's going to be talking about life, spiritual life and family life and work life and every aspect of life. Why don't you and I do this together? Why don't you come with me on Easter Sunday and let's do this journey together? So why don't you grab a Bible, will you? And open it with me to the Gospel of John. And let me share this story with you about Bethany, okay? I'm going to begin reading with chapter 11, verse 17. Chapter 11, 
verse 17. Now let me catch up on the story. Jesus is out traveling with his disciples and somebody sends him a message and they say, your friend Lazarus is very sick. So Jesus was close friends with this guy. And they didn't say, would you come? They just said, he's very sick. Maybe they assume Jesus is going to drop everything and he's going to come running to Bethany. Well, it's interesting because for two days, Jesus seemingly does nothing. And he doesn't even talk about it to his disciples. And then after two days, he says to his disciples, let's go to, Ju- to Judea. And, and his disciples protested and said, I don't think it's a good idea because the last time we went to Judea, they tried to stone you. I don't think you're safe in Judea. And he says, no, we have to go because Lazarus is asleep. And they thought he meant asleep, but he really meant dead. And then he makes a statement about them believing. And that brings us to chapter 11, verse 17. So on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, here's what happened. The day Jesus gets the message, he dies. And Jesus stays where he is for two days. And then he's a two-day journey away. So it's four days by the time he gets there. And he realized that Lazarus had died the day he got the message, okay? Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So my dad died. My father died a few weeks ago. You know what? You know what was the best part about everything? It was all the people who showed up to comfort my mom and my family. It was awesome. And so that's what's happening with these guys. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary, she stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus. Now, you've got to listen to this, okay? If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And so Jesus said to her, well, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you are the Son of God who is to come into the world. And so after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. Hey, Mary, the teacher is here. And guess who he wants to see? It's you. He's asking for you. And so when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to go to the tomb to mourn. We'll talk about it in a moment, but that's what they did. And you know how long they did it? They did it for seven days. So when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, the same thing Martha said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, what does Jesus feel? He's deeply moved and troubled. Two more verses. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, they replied. In verse 35, John says, 
Jesus, he wept. He burst into tears. This is God's word for us today. Do you remember me telling you only last Sunday about a young mom and mother named Tillany who attends our church, who two weeks ago prayed this prayer with me? The prayer was this. Lord, bring somebody into my life this week. Give me the ability to recognize it. And when you do, I will open my arms to that person. And so many of you prayed that prayer with me that day. And so Tillany said, so Pastor Rick, on Monday morning I got up and I prayed that prayer again. God, would you bring somebody into my life and would you give me the ability to recognize it? And when you do, I promise you this, I will open my arms to that person. She prayed the prayer again on Wednesday and she prayed the prayer again on Thursday. I'm sorry, on Tuesday and then on Wednesday. And on Wednesday afternoon, she is at a park with her little boy Sawyer. And she meets a mom with a bunch of kids. And she begins to have a conversation. And the mother tells her the story. We were passing through Oklahoma City on a trip in a bus that we have makeshifted into a camper. And in Oklahoma City, I prematurely gave birth to a one-pound little boy. And we've been living in that bus for six weeks in the hospital parking lot. And I ask you to pray for my little boy. And so Tillany just opens her arms to the mom. And I remember telling you the story last week. And so i got to finish the story, okay? Tillany sends me a text this week and she goes, I love my church so much. Did I say I love my church so much? Guess what? They have been given a temporary house to live in. Did I just mention they've been given a temporary house to live in? This is what the text is saying. And over 50 families have poured their love and life and help into this family. It's awesome. I love my church so much. And so here's what you did as a congregation. You just opened your arms to the family. And you said, here you are in a pretty tough time in your life. Probably never dreamed you would ever be here. And you just opened your arms and you just said, we will love you and we will care for you. Now, I know the faces and the names are different, but the stories are in some way the same. So go back with me a couple of thousand years ago to this little village of Bethany. And think about these people, Martha, Mary. Their brother has gotten sick and now he has died. They love Jesus. They sent word, but Jesus didn't show up. They've been through a funeral on the same day of the death because that's what you did in that culture. You buried the person the same day. And then you enter into seven days of mourning. The Hebrew word is Shavah. You want to repeat that after me? Shavah. And so what you did was you went in your house. It sounds weird to you and I, but you took all of your furniture and you turned it in reverse order. You put it facing the walls because you didn't sit on the furniture. You sat on the floor. And you didn't take a bath for seven days. If I had been a second grade boy, I would have said, I love this part best about the Shavah. Because I never wanted to take a bath when I was in second grade. And there was wailing. And there were flutes playing. And there was mourning and there was crying. And this is where you find Mary and you find Martha. And so Jesus has this conversation with Martha, and then she comes back and says, Mary, guess who's here? (laughs) He came. And guess who he wants to see? Guess who he's asking for? It's you. Now, you've got to lean in, okay? Because here's, 
Here's something you just can't miss today. Here's what, here's what Jesus does. Jesus invites us to come to him in our times of pain and suffering and sorrow. Is that awesome? And if you're going to be like Jesus, <laughs> you ready? And I'm going to be like Jesus, then what we must do is find God's grace to live in such a way that we open our arms and we invite other people to come to us in their times of pain and sorrow and suffering. We don't run from people who are hurting. We run toward people who are hurting. I expect a little more, but that's okay. I thought you might kind of get into that. So, think with me for a minute, okay? I, uh, I sometimes will uh, we'll go to social media and, uh, and get to a BFC Facebook or Instagram. And so this week, that's what I did. And, and I found a story that was really cool. And it's about a man whose name is Robbie Sarabi, okay? Um, I thought maybe if you saw his picture, you might recognize him. Do you know Robbie? And so what, what we do is we highlight people like Robbie. And, and as you read these, you get to know the people that you worship with on Sunday morning. And so here's what, here's what he says. My name is Rabi Sarabi, and I am from Iran. I was learning English at Bethany Nazarene College when I met my wife. She was a Christian. And Rabi says, I, I was Muslim. I came to Bethany First Church off and on with her, but was praying that the true God would reveal himself to me. And Robbie says, 35 years later, 35 years later, Jesus came to me. Jesus came to me in a dream. And I continued to pray. I remember when my wife developed brain cancer, God sent someone to me. He sent Gene Halsey to me. Now, Gene Halsey was a, was a guy, is a guy, who, who was a minister but had retired from being in ministry, but he never retired from living like this, okay? He never stopped doing that. And so Gene Halsey goes to the hospital to visit and pray with Robbie. And Robbie said it was then. It was then that I gave my life to Jesus. This unbelievable peace came over me as God opened my eyes. And I've been following him ever since. And Robbie says, I'm passionate about the neighbors God has put in my life. And so I work at Two Lakes and I work at Rock. These are compassionate ministry centers. Six days a week as a volunteer and I also love to be an usher here. So my passion really is to follow Jesus 24-7. Everything I do is in His name and it's all to His glory. Is that an awesome story or what? I love that story. And so, hang on to that for a few minutes. When we are hurting, we ask a lot of questions. We make a lot of assumptions. And and did you hear Mary and did you hear Martha in the text? You know what they said? Jesus, if if you would have been here. I mean, come on, man. We know what kind of power you have. He wouldn't have died. 
It, it was kind of like they'd already resigned to the fact that that God's power was really no longer available for their situation. It's like, maybe we should just accept that this is the way it is, and this is the new normal, and this is the way it's going to be, and God's kind of silent right now, and I don't think He's going to move or act. So as a pastor, you know what? I hear that stuff every day of my life. Pastor Rick, I've been sick a long time, and... And, and it just seems to me that maybe God has become silent on this issue. He doesn't seem to be speaking or acting or doing anything else. And, and maybe I just need to get used to this. And maybe this is the way life is going to be from this point on. I mean, maybe this is just what I've got left to deal with. Or Pastor Rick, I, I don't know when my son or my daughter is ever going to make a good decision again. They just keep making bad decisions. And maybe, maybe God's just not going to move. And maybe I just need to accept the fact that this is the direction their life is going and it's not going to change. Or maybe, Pastor Rick, my marriage is always going to stink. Maybe my spouse is just always going to be a jerk. And maybe my life is just never going to change. Maybe I just need to accept it and just say, okay, this is what I've got to deal with. And, and then here's what happens. We start, we start doing the Mary and Martha ifs, you know? If, if I just hadn't have moved her when she was, when she was in middle school, maybe, maybe her life would, would be in a different direction now. Or, or if I just hadn't have taken that route to work that day, the accident wouldn't have happened. Or, or maybe if, if I hadn't have taken that job and I would have taken the other job, and we just start doing the Mary and the Martha ifs. That's what we do. then Jesus comes. <laughs> Jesus just, he just shows up at the greatest times. And he looks at Mary and he looks at Martha. Oh, this is, this is one of my favorite parts. He says to Martha, you know, go, go get her. And Martha comes back. Hey, he's, you know, he's asking for you. And so Jesus invites us to come to him, okay? But then Jesus says, where have you laid him? We'll show you. So you might ought to lean in again, okay? Because here's what Jesus does. Jesus, like Gene Halsey to Robbie Sarabi, Jesus invites us to bring him to our place of pain and suffering and sorrow. So there's a guy whose name was Joe Bailey whose all three sons were killed. And he writes a book about it. I hate the title of the book. It's called From the View of a Hearse. And he says, when my three sons were killed, two men came to see me. The first guy, <laughs> he talked a lot and he offered a lot of answers. He said, God had a reason for all of that happening and God was going to bring good out of it and He always brings good out of it and God was going to give me strength. And He just talked a lot and He just offered me lots of answers. He said, but the second guy who came, He said hardly anything. He just sat with me and He cried with me. Both had good intentions. But he said, if I'm going to be completely honest, i got to tell you, 
I couldn't hardly wait for the first guy to leave. And I couldn't hardly bear to see the second guy go. I think the Bible's more like the second guy. While it addresses pain and suffering, it doesn't offer us all the answers that we want. But it introduces us to a man who comes to us in our pain and he cries with us. (laughs) I don't know why, man, but that's healing for me. The Bible says Jesus breaks down and cries. Jesus cries like a baby. You like that translation better? And the Bible also tells me that one day he is going to completely destroy pain and suffering. But I I, got to mention something here before we wrap up because this is pretty crucial. And I know it's not Easter yet. I understand. But Jesus talks to Mary, to Martha rather, about the resurrection. You know he's going to rise again, right? I, I know... All Jews, most all, Sadducees struggled, believed that there was going to be this resurrection, you know, of the dead and that we're going to have these new bodies, new heaven, new earth. I know, Lord, in the last day, He'll be raised to life. And Jesus says, Mary, dream with me. Martha, dream with me for a minute. What if? That's in the future, but what if? Just dream with me, Martha, for a minute. What if? What if God brought the future to you now? What if the resurrection is standing in front of you? What if I am the resurrection? And he raises Lazarus from the dead. Now, now you've you got to think with me, okay? As God brings people into our lives and as we open our arms to people who are hurting, not running from those people, but as we run toward those people with open arms, how will God use you to complete His work of resurrection in another person? How will God use you to bring new life? I mean, think about how God used Gene Halsey to raise Robbie Sarabi up to life. You know what I'm saying? How God used Tillany Franks to take this little family who's been, you know, going through this tough time, this little baby being born and being so far from home and living in their makeshift camper. But God brought life to them through Tillany. And how does God want to use you to bring life to people? But you've got to deal with this before you walk out the door. You've got to answer the question. Do you really believe in your heart that God is still bringing life to people? Is He still rolling stones away? Or have we just kind of bought into culture? It says, I don't know if He still does the miracle stuff. Do you believe that God wants to use you to bring life to somebody? So here's what I think we got. Kyle, would you come back for me? I think there's people here who are saying, Rick, we're suffering. All right? I'm just going to be honest, Pastor. We're suffering. We're going through it. Life is tough. Life right now is really hard. And I mean, we're, we're suffering. 
We're hurting. And, and I think if that's you, then in a few moments when we start to sing, you should, just, you, should just, you should just step out from where you are and you should just come down and you should just come and find a Jesus whose arms are open to you, who invites you to come to him in the midst of your pain. I think you ought to just come and just say, okay, Jesus, if you're inviting me to come and bring my pain to you, here I come. And, and, and I think there's others who, who maybe feel more like me who would say, I want God to work in me in such a way that I begin to live more like this. And I don't run from people who are hurting. I run toward people who are hurting with my arms open, like Jesus. I think there's a third group. I think there are other people who are saying, man, the more I hear you talk about Jesus, the more attracted I am to Jesus. And I want to know him. And I want to be forgiven of my sin. And I want to follow a man like that. Then, then you should come. So I'm going to ask that we just make sure that there are pastors on either side. And if you're in the room and you're a pastor, make sure that there's always somebody standing waiting for the next person, okay? And if you want to talk to a pastor, have a pastor pray with you, just go to one of them. They're coming now, in fact. And they'll be standing here ready to meet with you, okay? So let's stand together. And if you want to pray... Come running to Jesus and pray. Let me be filled with kindness and compassion for the one, the one for whom you loved and gave your son for humanity.
I am 
just as we are. And as you want us and you, you say, come to me with open arms, God. Help us to live that out to others. To be people of open arms, ready to wrap them up and say, come, let's go to Jesus together. You are the hope of the world. And we, the church, not this building, the church, us, living within us, it's our job to bring that hope to the world. We thank you, God, for being with us in this time. Everyone here in this room, would you hold your hands out right now and receive this blessing as you go today? May you leave today being filled with compassion and love for those in whom God puts in your path. May you go out into this world realizing and understanding that you are the church, you are the hope, you have the hope within you to bring to this world. And fully realize that you have the full power of God with you as you bring that hope to this world with open arms. May you love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Amen. As you dismiss today, would you just leave in reverence, please, as these continue to pray. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.